Paul is perhaps the most black and white teacher in the New Testament. In his mind, if you are a Christian, then you will forgive others, no matter what. And you will be reconciled and bring glory to God through that reconciliation. And you will be friends. Paul won't indulge or pamper anyone. It's jarring and blunt instruction. Paul's vision for the Philemon-Onesimus relationship is mutual respect, equality, and partnership in the gospel. Paul doesn't care that Onesimus is Philemon's runaway slave, who's also likely guilty of theft. Paul's faith in the reconciling power of God is so great that he sees only love and friendship and even partnership in the advancing of the gospel. Can a slave and a slave owner really be equal? Well, if we know and trust the power of the gospel and of the Holy Spirit to work miracles in us, the answer is yes. Paul sees his ministry as one of reconciliation. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Cross Church. And if I haven't met you yet, my name is Chris. And uh, as you heard, our lead pastor, Alan Duncalf, is away today, and he'll be back next week. So this means that you're stuck with me today. All right. (laughs) So uh, if I had to rank public speaking on uh, my top, you know, in my top 10, it wouldn't be on there. So... Um, so anyway, give me grace today, and, and again, we're going to just trust that the Holy Spirit is the one that's really speaking to our hearts today as we continue in this series uh, from Slave to Brother on the book of Philemon. So let's just open up in a word of prayer this morning. Lord, we sang about uh, you this morning and that you are our King and that we truly do want to honor you in everything that we do, in our relationships in the people that we meet, Father, so whether we're at work or at school, uh, whether we're on the street or at home or here at church, wherever it happens to be, Father, we want to be honoring and glorifying you in every aspect of our lives. And Lord, sometimes in our life we encounter uh, difficult situations, sometimes very difficult. But Lord, again, we know that through you and through your Holy Spirit, that we can live out this transformation that's happened on the inside and let the world see the love that we have because of what you've done for us. So again, Lord, may you be glorified this morning and uh, may our desire be that whatever we take away from this morning, that we won't just walk away saying uh, we've gained some more knowledge or that was an interesting point, but God will truly want to live it out and desire to even do that today and through the rest of this week and through our lives as we serve you, God. So we glorify you this morning, we give it to you, and uh, we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning I'm going to start by just reading a couple, uh, three stories actually, uh, true stories that have happened. So uh, take a listen to some of these uh, stories. In 1998, 15-year-old Jeremy took his stepfather's gun to his middle school and accidentally shot a young girl named Mara while he was showing the firearm to one of his friends. Now, astonishing the judge and really the entire community, the mother of Mara, her name was Addie, uh, she not only forgave Jeremy, but also asked the judge to give Jeremy 
a reduced sentence. She later told the reporters that she forgave him and that she believes her daughter would have wanted it that way. And while Jeremy was serving in this uh, detention center, get this, Addie actually reached out to Jeremy while he was there and they started building a special bond. And through this amazing relationship, Jeremy later agreed to visit local schools with Addie to talk to kids and warn them about the dangers of guns. Amazing. Uh, the next story, it's called An Unexpected Caregiver. It says, domestic violence survivor Patty, who's 59, said she never thought that she would reconnect with her mother, who was her abuser. However, in 2010, her mother suffered several strokes that left her unable to communicate and uh, unable to take care of herself. With no one else to help, Patty slowly began to visit her mother. Then she would sit by her mother's side, and eventually she started to read to her. And through all this happening, uh, she says that the hate that she had for her mom actually started to dissipate and disappear, and it turned into forgiveness, and it turned into love as they actually started to rebuild their relationship. All right, this last one I think many of you will have heard of before. Um, I'll just read it, and you, I'm sure you'll, you'll know uh, something about this story. So it says, he's not exactly known for being the most humble type, but Simon Cowell admits that Susan Boyle altered his outlook on life and is responsible for him no longer being a horrible person. Well, I guess that's up to uh, some of us to decide maybe on our own. But anyway, uh, Simon Cowell, the 57-year-old media mogul, said that uh, this 2009 British got, uh, Britain's Got Talent contestant, Susan Boyle, was such a revelation to him that he's no longer uh, as quick to dismiss any acts or people in his personal life as he once did. He says, it was a turning point for me, actually, as a person. And it sounds cliche, but she made me realize that you can't judge a book by its cover. Cowell and Boyle reconciled and have teamed up for a number of recordings, and Cowell actually continues to help manage and coach Boyle in her career. So those are some pretty interesting, uh, some amazing stories. You may be wondering, well, what does this have to do with our series on uh, From Slave to Brother as we look at the book of Philemon? Well, if you've been here the last few weeks, you know that we have talked about this book or this letter to Philemon is all about extreme forgiveness. Uh, but it's also about reconciliation and extreme reconciliation. And that's what we're going to focus on here today. I read an article that asked a number of people what they thought recon reconciliation meant. And so uh, before we get into things, here are some answers that people think that reconciliation means. So one person thought reconciliation, it's honoring and acknowledging what was initially agreed upon. Or another said they thought it means coming together to find common ground. Uh, another said it's to move forward past difficulties. Um, someone said that it means to put, uh, people are putting aside their past differences. Um, and then someone simply said it means to basically be friendly again. And uh, Brett, you would appreciate this one. It says, uh, a lot of people said it's an accounting term, of course, reconcile books or accounts at the end of a period of time. Um, 
So first of all, for those who were here last week, you remember uh, that we learned about forgiveness, and we learned that forgiveness is powerful. So before we get into reconciliation, let's quickly review what Pastor Allen uh, talked to us about forgiveness, and this will give us maybe a little bit better understanding as we work through this. What is the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation? Is there a difference? And if there is, what is it? So kind of to summarize, uh, maybe if I could put it into definition, definition last week we talked, forgiveness is acknowledging a wrong that has been done to you by someone else, but you decide to not hold it against them or torment yourself with bitterness. So again, forgiveness is acknowledging a wrong has been done to you by someone else, but you decide to not hold it against that person or, do, or that you decide not to torment yourself with bitterness. So we learn that forgiveness is not just a feeling, it's not just an emotion. Forgiveness is truly a decision that you make. And forgiveness is a decision that impacts yourself. Last week we also talked about uh, the book of Matthew chapter 18 and the story of Peter when he comes to Jesus to talk about forgiveness. And as I thought about that, I just pictured what that scene might have looked like. And I pictured Peter coming up to Jesus and probably explaining to him that, you know, he's had this difficult scenario. And uh, so he may have said, Jesus, you know, I have this difficult situation with this person and it was very really difficult, but I, you know, as I've been around you, I've realized I truly need to be for, for uh, to forgive. So I've decided to forgive this person in this situation. Well, wouldn't you know it, it happened again and... Uh, it was more difficult, but again, I chose to forgive. And this happened a third time, a fourth time, a fifth, sixth, even a seventh time. And Jesus, I've, I, I don't know how, but somehow I've just uh, really realized that I've got to forgive. So I've done it seven times now. Uh, so Jesus, I want you to just tell me something. Is seven times enough? Like I really feel, I don't know if I can do any more than seven. Is seven times enough to forgive this person for what they've done? And I could just picture Jesus sitting there peacefully, calmly, maybe chuckling a little bit to himself and saying, you know, Peter, you're off to a good start. You know, seven times, that's, that's pretty good. You know, you, you, you're doing all right. I have to commend you for that. But Peter, don't stop there. Keep going. And of course, as we know, Jesus says, Peter, it's seven times is okay, but I'm telling you as a believer you've got to forgive somebody 70 times 7. And of course, we know that means that as a Christian, he's saying we always need to forgive. There's always room for the opportunity to decide to forgive somebody else. And of course, as we reflect on what God and what Jesus has done for us, how can we truly ever find a reason not to forgive somebody else? So, Jesus is calling us to an extreme standard here, very extreme, one that we can only strive to achieve through the power of the Holy Spirit. So today we are, of course, talking about reconciliation. And so you may be wondering, okay, hey, what, what is this already? What is reconciliation? Uh, here's a definition that I found that I like. It says reconciliation is the positive transformation of a relationship. So it starts with a breakdown in a relationship at somewhere at some point, but then there is a transformation from a state of maybe dislike or even hatred, as we heard about in, in one of those stories I read earlier, and it moves to a relationship of 
harmony and fellowship to some degree or maybe to a large degree. So reconciliation is all about restoring or developing loving and caring relationships that were somehow damaged. In the case of those stories I shared earlier, the first story with the mother Addie and this boy Jeremy, um, and in the last story with Simon Cowell, who's a judge on this show called Britain's Got Talent, and Susan Boyle, who was one of the contestants, and so she walks up on the stage. Uh, they didn't know each other. Uh, so through the action of Jeremy, or through the attitude of Simon Cowell, these things caused a damaged relationship in a blink of an eye. So when we think about forgiveness, forgiveness can happen only in our mind. We can forgive someone who's wronged us, and they've never apologized for it. Uh, we can forgive someone who may or may not even know that they've done something that's hurt us. And, of course, forgiveness can happen without ever having actual reconciliation. It's, it is, it's very possible to forgive without ever offering or striving to reconcile. And here, here's a little example I, I came across. I had a friend that uh, worked for, uh, actually it was a Christian organization, and so uh, the people in there uh, were all uh, Christ followers, and uh, a lady, I'll just say her name was Karen, she decided that she was, look, you know, she had moved on, looked for another job. So she had left and was working somewhere else at this point. Well, my friend uh, had a meeting with his boss one day, and his boss said to him, you know, uh, it's a good thing, I think, that Karen moved on because, um, I, I don't know if he knew this, but uh, she did this thing, and he, you know, she, he went on to explain kind of a scenario, and, and she also did this while she worked here. And I remember my friend sharing with me, he said, he was just blown away that he had worked with this lady for, well, I'm not sure how long a period of time it was, but it was quite a while, and he had never seen any kind of attitude or, or um, you know, her work style or her behavior to be anything like what, what his boss was describing. So he was kind of dumbfounded, and uh, he said to his boss, well, don't you think that, I mean, I know she's gone now, but don't you think it'd be important for us to get together and maybe hear her side of the story if there's something that maybe was misunderstood or I just can't understand how this is possible. And he said, even above that, don't you think it's important that we get together, that we can move on still with some sense of unity, especially as Christians, uh, you, know, to, you know, to have this uh, sense of reconciliation with her? And her boss, you know, said to her, or said to him, um, you know what, I, I truly have forgiven Karen, and uh, in my mind, and I've, I've, uh, I've, I've dealt with it, and I'm ready just to move on, so I really don't think it's important for us to get together again. Uh, and my, again, my friend was really just heartbroken that he wasn't willing to do that. So that's just an example, again, that you know, he can, we can go through forgiveness, but we can really bump into a wall to go further past that. So we see, again, reconciliation is different than forgiveness. So reconciliation involves forgiveness, of course, so forgiveness is a part of reconciliation, but reconciliation goes beyond forgiveness to developing uh, a, some mutual respect uh, to, at, at one degree. It can go beyond to seeing others as equal human beings. In the case of Simon and Susan, you know, when she walked on the stage, he, he just thought very low of her. He thought by her appearance and the way she talked at the beginning, oh, she's going to be awful and really had very, a very bad attitude and disrespect for her the moment that he saw her walk on the stage. Uh, reconciliation can move us to the point of building back a relationship or 
even a partnership in the gospel, in, in our working, in serving uh, in the kingdom, as we'll see in just a minute here in Paul's letter to Philemon. So again, one more time, uh, I think to sum it up, forgiveness is really a sense of me and a decision I make about something that's in the past versus reconciliation is truly about more than one person and how that's going to look moving forward. So us and the future reconciliation versus me and the past with forgiveness. And, you know, here's an example I wanted to give about uh, reconciliation, show you the difference here. Uh, the story involves uh, my mom and my aunt. So in 2000, my, my grandma had passed away and she lived in uh, Surrey, close to Vancouver. And so my mom and my sister here in Winnipeg and uh, myself, we flew out to Vancouver for the funeral. And of course, the other relatives were there and we met with them all and uh, we held the funeral service and uh, really were able to celebrate the life of uh, my grandmother. Well, shortly after the funeral is over, we get back to Winnipeg and uh, I get a call from my mom and she says that my aunt has told her that she believes, and I think one of her brothers believed that uh, something was not handled correctly with the will. Uh, my, my other uncle was in charge of it, but I guess my, I don't know if my mom was even really helping or not, but uh, my aunt was basically accusing her of doing something wrong in the, in the, uh, the execution of this will and with the estate. And it became such a uh, dividing point that they did not talk to each other anymore. And isn't it sad? I think many of us probably could relate to similar scenarios where money or things become uh, a barrier to our relationships, and it really is sad. Well, that was the case here with my aunt and my mom. And for 14 years, uh, they really didn't speak to each other anymore. Uh, I think my mom had said she tried to reach out to my aunt a little bit. She had heard that she was having some health problems and tried to reach out and uh, call her to pray with her. And my aunt may pick up the phone, but she would just say, you know, thanks, but no thanks. And that was the end of the conversation. Well, fast forward to 2015, uh, we've, we received word that this same aunt, her husband, my uncle, uh, passed away of a heart attack. And so then came the decision, well, what do we do about going to the funeral? And uh, I talked to my mom and she was very determined right away that, yes, we need to go. And so my sister, again, that's here in Winnipeg, and myself said, okay, we're going to go with you and be there. We don't know what, what the outcome is going to be, but we think it's the right thing to do as well. Let, let's go to the funeral. And I remember it was a spring day, and the funeral was just south of St. Laurent, Manitoba, in, in this country uh, cemetery. And we pull up, and I just remember seeing the, the, the grave site was shadowed by this massive oak tree. It was just a beautiful uh, setting out in the countryside. So we park the car and we get out and start walking over to the grave site. And as we're approaching it, uh, there's my aunt. And she was leaning up against the vehicle, I guess, ready for the funeral to begin. And so it was, I was kind of tense in that moment, wondering, I don't know what's going to happen, praying that, God, you can just do something, you know, at least keep the peace here, right? And uh, so as we walked up and my aunt looked up and she saw us, and she saw my mom, and, and I guess my mom is the oldest in the family. My, my aunt was the youngest, so 
Uh, that was the relationship that they had had growing up. Uh, she saw my mom, and she, well, she didn't run, but she walked quickly over to her and gave her the biggest hug that I've seen in a long time. And she wept like a baby. And of course, she was very emotional, you know, the whole thing with, you know, the funeral for her husband. But I could sense in that moment that my aunt truly had a sense of wanting to reconcile with my mom. She wanted to move past what had happened. And so in the, in the later the day at the reception and in the days and the weeks coming, uh, my aunt and my mom rebuilt this relationship that they had lost. And it was such a beautiful thing and such a sad thing at the same time to think, wow, 14 years lost. You know, when growing up, my, I remember my family, we'd go, we would go over to my aunt's place often, and uh, especially after church, uh, go there, I'd play with my cousins, and we'd have lunch together. And we had a, we had a really, actually a really close relationship with them. And to see now these 14 years kind of wasted was really sad. But to now see that this relationship had been restored and is moving forward. My aunt now lives back in Winnipeg, and my mom and her keep in touch often. They try and get together often. I know they're on the phone a lot for sure. And it's just, again, a great, a great thing to see that this relationship has been restored. So the two are coming together, forgiving one another, working through the issue, and are rebuilding that solid, trusting love uh, and the relationship that once was. And this is kind of what Paul was referring to in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, when he says to all of us, instead, of, instead he says, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, uh, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. This is what we need to live out. Paul knows that there's going to be difficulties and differences. He, he in fact, obviously had that difference himself in his ministry. But as Christians, he realizes we need to know how much God has forgiven us and we need to be obedient and follow in his example. All right, well, let's take a look at this uh, book of Philemon or this letter that Paul has written to Philemon. And again, Paul is writing to Philemon, who is a prominent leader in the church of Colossae, and Philemon's slave, Onesimus, has run away. and He's been even accused of stealing something. And Onesimus has run away to try and get away from it, but at some point, he obviously came to the point of realizing uh, that he's scared. Maybe he's even sorry for what he's done. Uh, he knows Paul and Philemon are friends, and so he actually seeks Paul out in Rome. And he finds Paul in the prison, and through that relationship that is now built between the slave Onesimus and Paul, uh, Onesimus becomes a Christian himself. And he begins to serve Paul in the prison. And he only, not only just serves Paul, but Paul is saying, hey, Onesimus, he's become a great help to me. So in Paul's letter to Philemon, he writes, It seems you lost Philemon for a little while so that you could have him back forever. He is no longer like a slave to you. He is more than a slave, for he is a beloved brother and especially to me. Now he will mean much more to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. Now I just want to first point out in verse 15, this is actually a very interesting verse. It really speaks to Romans 8.28 that says that all things work together for good to those that love 
and follow Christ. Onesimus has run away. Again, maybe he's stolen something even. even. Uh, of course, this was a bad thing for Philemon to have lost him. Uh, but it's a bad thing for Onesimus as well, especially now that he realizes that he could be in big trouble, possibly even face death. But God, in his great mercy, uses what seems as something bad or terrible, and he turns it into something good, doesn't he? We always need to be willing to reflect when we go through these circumstances, uh, something bad, whether it's something kind of bad or something really bad, we need to always stop and recognize God is in control and that we can trust him and we can even expect that he is going to do something through it if we truly are following him. In verse 16 now we see here that Paul is encouraging Philemon to look at Onesimus to, or sorry, to not look at Onesimus anymore simply as a slave. But he's saying, you need to look at Onesimus as an equal. Someone that's been created in the image of God. Of course, as a slave, you can imagine that, uh, that he wasn't looked at as an equal. And I think this even happens today for us, right? I know in different cultures around the world, certain classes of people are, are not looked at as equal as other people. But he's saying here, you need to look at Onesimus now not as a slave anymore, but recognize he is someone that's been created in the image of God, and you need to look at him as an equal in that regard. But even more so that now Onesimus has accepted Christ, he is now a follower of Christ himself. You need to look at Onesimus as a brother in the Lord. You guys are family. Next we see in verse 17, it says, Paul is saying, if I really am your friend, Philemon, I want you to give Onesimus the same welcome you would give to me if I were the one who is coming. Now, I think this is, to me, this seems like kind of the climax of this letter. Uh, Paul is really going uh, uh, very far with this request to Philemon. So again, he's asking, first of all, that uh, Philemon forgive Onesimus for what he's done. He's saying, uh, Paul, you, or Philemon, you need to treat Onesimus as an equal human being. You can't look at him just as a lower class person, as a slave anymore. You, need, you now need to love Onesimus, and you need to love him as a brother in Christ. But Paul now is saying to Philemon, you need to go farther than you could probably humanly ever do or desire, and that is to now develop a true, equal, loving relationship with Onesimus. In this verse, the Greek word that's translated to the word welcome, it's basically saying that this greeting shouldn't be just a simple, uh, a simple reception uh, together. It's a, a simple meeting. So he's saying, don't just, when I send Onesimus to deliver this letter to you and you guys meet, I don't want you to just meet him at the bus stop and shake his hand or, um, or just meet him on the street and give him a hug. Uh, this isn't just something, uh, just a, so a short little get-together. This is something that I want you to now invite him into your home. I want you to sit down with him, and I want you guys to talk, and I want you to build this relationship. Because Paul's saying, he is now serving Paul, and he's a great help to me. I want you to recognize that he is someone in the ministry with us now. So you guys need to reconcile and build back this relationship, and show the transformation that's happened in both your lives. 
So, and that's the point, isn't it? As serious Christ followers, we have this transformation that's happened in our lives. We are desiring to work through the Holy Spirit in us to live to a higher standard of love and unity with others. Our transformation isn't just in our thoughts. It's not just in our mind. And it's not just something that's private. We, we truly have to live out this transformation that we've had. We can't be saved by the amazing love of Christ just to keep our faith to ourselves, can we? It's funny that uh, I'm sure you've met before too, I've met people that will say, well, my faith is just private. It's just something for me. I, I don't want to tell people about it. I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to uh, make anybody feel uncomfortable. Uh, I just let them do what they want to do and I just do what I want to do. Well, how can, if we're truly transformed with Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit now working in us, how can that be so? How can we not want to let that light shine in the world around us? Matthew Henry, who writes uh, a commentary, says that becoming a serious Christ follower now joins the believer with Christ in the amazing salvation of God, whose, whose grace transforms every aspect of our human life. So after all that's happened, Onesimus is a slave. He's run away. He becomes a Christian. He meets Paul and becomes a Christian. And Paul asks Philemon, can you please forgive Onesimus for what he's done? Paul asks Philemon to treat Onesimus as an equal human being, no longer as a lower class citizen. And Paul asks Philemon to love Onesimus as a Christian brother. But then finally, Paul is saying, Philemon, you need to reconcile with Onesimus. You need to become a friend with him, have a real relationship with him, and move forward together as brothers in Christ. So how can this reconciliation really be possible in our life? How can this... Uh, really happen in your life and in my life? Well, as I read the Bible in the, uh, ver the message uh, paraphrase in Romans chapter 12, the heading of that section, it says, place your life before God. And in verse 1 and 2, uh, here's how it reads again in the message Bible. It says, uh, so here's what I want you to do with God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping to your eating, to your going to work, to your walking around life, place it all before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for Him. And don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to the level of immaturity that this world has, God brings the best out of you and he develops a well-formed maturity in you. So with forgiveness, we see it's possible to forgive but not to reconcile right away or possibly ever. And we understand that in life, sometimes reconciliation can be very difficult. 
Sometimes it may take years, whether it's certain barriers, barriers that are put up between us and that other person that we just can't do it. We know that through submission in Christ, we can eventually take that action, sometimes quickly, sometimes over a long period of time. But by humbling ourselves, uh, we can truly go beyond forgiveness to reconciliation. And we can restore these relationships with the goal of having brotherly love. In this verse, Jesus says to his disciples, John 13, 33, it says, The world will truly know us when we are serious Christ followers is by the love that we have for one another. This is going to be the mark of a true disciple is that you're going to love your brother and sister in Christ. You're going to treat them as an equal and you're going to strive to forgive and to reconcile and be partners in the ministry together. I want to conclude this service today by watching uh, a short video. It's, I found it as a truly amazing story of reconciliation and how only by the power of the Holy Spirit and when we truly decide to embrace Him, to lay down our lives before Him, as we said it before in Romans, our everyday occurrences, every aspect of our life, when we truly do that and desire to be serious about following Christ and desire to show our transformation to the world around us. This is what can happen no matter what situation we may face. So let's watch this video. In a small apartment building in North Minneapolis, a 59-year-old teacher... That's an amazing story. Now, not many of us face maybe difficult situation that Mary has faced, but I know some of you have faced very, very difficult situations in your life. But what are some relationships that are in your life that need to be reconciled? Maybe, as we discussed earlier, you've actually forgiven someone that's done something but never went beyond that, maybe never wanted to. You've just put up a wall and said, I've forgiven, but that's as far as I want to go. Maybe there's somebody that you see as has less value than you do. Do you treat people like they're less valuable? Maybe because of the way they dress or talk or act. Maybe somebody at work or at school. Maybe somebody in your own family. Maybe somebody even here at church. Paul is saying that Onesimus and all people of this world are of equal value and should be loved and cared for. Now, of course, we don't love the sin, but we are all sinners in need of God's love and grace, aren't we? But this desire to reconcile, this must be especially true with our brothers and sisters in Christ. So right now, I want to ask all of you just to bow your head for a moment. And I want to ask God, myself included, who is that person that we need to be reconciled to. I want you to think, who is that person in your life that you haven't for, you've maybe forgiven but haven't gone any further? Maybe something really difficult has happened in your life that you're not sure how to ever get to the point of reconciliation. 
But right now I know through the power of the Holy Spirit, when we commit in our heart that, God, we want to be this shining light to the world, we want to be like we read in Romans, that we want to, people to see this transformation that's happened on the inside, we want to show it on the outside to the world around us. God, that we can know that God in His timing can bring about the possibility of reconciliation. So once you think of that person, I want you to commit in your heart now to take steps towards reconciliation in God's time. And even if possible, start on it this afternoon, at least continuing to pray about it, if nothing else. Don't wait. I want you to start today. So let's just take a moment to just to ask the Holy Spirit to... Now in just a moment, I'm going to close in a word of prayer. But first, I just want to remind you that uh, after the service, when you're done, if you want to speak to somebody or pray with somebody about this issue or anything that's on your heart, our elders are always here at the front ready to meet with you, to listen to you, and to pray with you. Uh, so I'd encourage you to come up to the front after to pray with them. So let me just pray now. Lord, this is a tough lesson and a tough uh, subject for, for many of us. There are people in our lives that have caused us grief, have harmed us, have uh, caused us to have this, this division between us and them. And Lord, maybe it's even gone beyond just a dislike to a true hatred for this person. And God, we, we read today that this isn't the standard you have for us. You have the standard of forgiveness every time, but you even have the standard of us reaching out to that person in your timing, in your way, to start to rebuild that relationship. Even treating that person as an equal human being or moving beyond forgiveness of what they've done to showing the world, especially for Christians, to showing the world that you have this standard for us and we're going to press through this and show uh, the love that you've given to us and the reconciliation that you've made possible for us and you through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, your son. We want to live that out and show that to the world. So God, I pray for each one of us as we have this name in our minds, on our hearts now of this person that we want to move towards reconciliation with. I pray, God, that you would make it possible and that through this, that the world will know we are Christians by our love. So go with us today, God. Help us to start even right now, even this afternoon. Help us not to delay in this. Help us not to leave here today just thinking this is just a good, there was a good story here and there and that was a good lesson. But God, help us to live it out and again, be this salt and light in this desperate world that needs to know the love of Christ. So go with us now. And I pray this in the name of our King Jesus. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great afternoon.